Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Let's go! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Scramble Podcast. I'm your host, Chet. I'm joined by two of my co-hosts, Mr. Futch and Mr. Tyler. Wade is traveling once again. We can't keep that man in Louisiana. He's all over the place. How, how y'all doing tonight? I mean, shoot, Futch is even traveling. The scramble is scrambling. I mean, it seems like every co-host is traveling except for me this summer. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you out to Houston here in a few weeks, Tyler, so you can join the travels. Yeah, Tyler, I, I'd like to stay at home a little bit more, uh, but uh, unfortunately, I had to take my vacation. So, uh, yeah, you got to. Uh, You're a hardworking man. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, drafting that forklift and and drafting fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Multitasking. So, where are you at this week, Fudge? Uh, I'm in Savannah, Georgia. So, uh, Savannah, Georgia. Time. Mm. Yeah, my girlfriend and I are over here spending spending about four days over here, hanging out, relaxing for a few days. So, All right. nice, nice, yeah. dude. You gonna get you some golf in out in Savannah, Georgia? Yeah, I'm gonna get a little bit of golf in. Uh, so, there's a Jack Nicholas course nearby that I looked at um, playing. Mm-hmm. So, I might play that one. Uh, I'm thinking about that. So, yeah, I gotta get some work in for the match play coming up. The uh, the scramble. Uh, what did we decide to call it, Tyler? You you had something last week. Well, I know Wade said the whack. <laughs> yes, we'll call it I the whack. Going with that. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll figure out something. But for now, we'll figure it's out called the whack. We have two weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the whack. Uh, two weeks until the whack uh, commences. No, we got to come up more than that. That that's a that's a hideous tie. That's called. Yeah. If any listeners have a suggestion for our match play, uh, let us know what we should call it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tyler and I talked a little bit before the show. We'll have, uh, we're going to do the alternate shot. And what I'm thinking is first tee, all four of us will hit a tee shot. And then the team just, uh, you pick your tee shot and that's how you start your, your order. So whoever's tee shots picked, the next person will hit. Um, and if, and if you and Futch are dominating myself and Wade by the end of nine holes. We will switch to a three man scramble for with me, Wade, and Tyler versus Jacob. So, because 
considering you're the one that's the, the best out of any of us, I don't know how, how well that's going to bode for Wayne and I. We got to keep it somewhat competitive. <laughs> but we'll, we'll figure it out as it goes. I think for this match, I think it's going to be pretty even to me. I mean, I feel like you're out of you and Wade. You probably have the edge on Wade, but I mean, Suck it, give Wade. it like any hole. I mean, Wade can bring out the boomstick at any time and hit that sucker over 300 yards. So I, yeah. I wouldn't it, doubt y'all two against us. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm counting on, considering I wouldn't played Friday. Uh, boomstick has not been booming for myself, uh, so I haven't even been hitting it off the tee. I've been hitting irons off the tee. I got to get out to the range and, and figure that out. Um, but it's, it was a hot one. The the course, uh, the grass is looking a little burnt. I think they took the St. Andrews burnt grass to the extreme. I think the heat just completely burned it all. So hopefully it'll be nice and green by the time we play. Um, but I know, Tyler, you've been practicing. How's the practice coming? It's going good. Uh, I've been having to weather the storm, literally, that we've been pretty much having afternoon rain showers every day. So every time that the rain is gone, then I go out there. I don't care if it's wet. I can go out there. I, mainly, this has like been chipping week. So every day I've just been out there uh, chipping uh, in the backyard trying to work on the short game. Uh, so uh, next week I'm going to hope. It uh, looks like the weather is going to be clearing up uh, this week, so I'm going to hope to get out to the course and see how the practice has been going, and hopefully uh, it's consistent enough uh, in two weeks for the match. I'm just hoping I can put some some putting together, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as we saw today in the Open, uh, the putting wins. So, you know, you, you drive for show and you putt for dough. Fletch, mm-hmm. you had last week, you broke par. Tell us about that. Uh, Yeah, so – I really didn't realize that I broke par until like uh, 16. I was like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I got a chance here. And I ended up last hole to par five, 18 to par five out there. Um, and I hit my drive, ended up in the bunker off the tee, fairway bunker. And I ended up short. I hit a seven iron in and was short. So I, uh, uh, I ended up hitting like a 56 degree and I put it up there. I said, oh, I just want to skip it up there close. And I thought I caught it too much of it. And I was like, Oh God, I hit it. And it checked up, hit the stick and fell straight in. I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> that is awesome. I, but, yeah. That won't be the first one of the month for you. <laughs> yeah. No, the chip-ins are always insane. Just like we had Rory chipping from the bunker at the open and yeah. he probably would have liked another chip-in uh, to end the, the day today. Um, so the, I guess we could jump into the open talk. Rory, he was getting it done. I had money on him to win, and he just he couldn't sink the putts today. He had 36 putts on, on 18 holes. You can't do that. That's pretty much two putt every hole. Uh, but the Aussie, Cam Smith, getting it done. So what, what are y'all's takes on that? I know, Tyler, you watched a lot of it. Yeah, I watched a lot of Cam Smith. If I had a top 10 bet on him, I took a page out of the plus money golf guys that Starting to get into a little bit more of golf betting this week since the Open is always oh, a fantastic event. And I've this was my first time since the Masters watching all four rounds. I was heavily invested. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what a what a Sunday round for Cam Smith. I mean, that man, I think he birdied, uh, what was it, 10 holes? It was 10 through 14, I believe, he birdied. And then he birdied the last hole to pretty much seal the deal. So, yeah, what a, what a round it was for the Aussie. Yeah, he went on like a five-hole run, just birdie, 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 and just really caught fire on that back nine. And Rory, 
he had a chance on the uh, on the road hole and just couldn't get that birdie putt to fall. And I think that's just kind of when it opened the door. And even with Cameron Young on the on eighteen with the eagle putt, I was like, oh, here we go, something interesting happening. But Cam Smith put his so within six inches and just tapped it in. So uh, it's this second it's second win of the year, I believe, with the winning the PJ. Uh, the players' championship. The players, he won. Yeah, and now he opens. So he's uh, the Aussie is making some money. And someone asked him uh, about his mullet. He said he was thinking about cutting it off, but it's bringing him good luck. So he's the second <laughs> player ever. Now. He's the second player ever to win the Open with a mullet after the the famous John Daly. And John Daly was out there in the field. I think did he make the cut this weekend? I don't believe so. Oh well, I don't I think, think anybody I expected. Thought he, I thought he did make the cut. I think he did make – hold on. I think he yeah. did make the cut. If he made the cut – Because he and, birdied uh, – he, bird, he hit some long birdie putt on 18 in round two. Um, I got to look. But I guess while I'm looking, I guess um, – I think my biggest takeaway from the Open itself was how fast Cameron Young got out to a lead and just yeah, held that he was, lead, held that lead. Yeah, he jumped he out the first day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I mean, even he potentially, he potentially could have been the only guy, you know, with four rounds in the sixties all week. Um, I mean, he went 64, 69, 71, 65. So I mean, that seventy-one, that round three hurt him. I, he just couldn't get putts to fall, and I think that was, you know, kind of what Rory had going on today. And it's all based on conditions. I mean, these guys are playing at different times. Um, especially there in St. Andrews. I mean, it's all about when you play, too, because right. we saw on the first day guys that went out super early in the morning were going really, really low. And then the guys that went out really late, guys at 9, 10 o'clock, they were falling behind a little bit. And you saw that they would struggle kind of with the wind direction and everything because um, it's so flat out there. But, right, yeah. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, I think they took advantage of it. Uh, I saw that right off the bat. They had the fairways were – uh, were rolling at a 13 speed and the greens were rolling at an 11. So you had the fairways rolling faster than the greens out there. And it's just insane. I, that's why a lot of those guys go out there for two weeks to get used to playing links golf. Cause you don't necessarily have to take a full club. You just hit it and let it run. Um, you know, someone who, hey, how, start- about, how about that, that drive from tiger four four eleven out there or something like that. Yeah. I think he was the longest on hole 14 or something on the first day. And that That's was a, that was a perfect transition there, Fudge, because I was just about to get into old Tiger Woods. Unfortunately, my bet for Tiger at you know plus six thousand didn't pay off. He didn't make the cut. I know, and your bet on Mister Homa didn't work out either with Tiger. Neither one of them made the cut. I think Max might have been just kind of starstruck, maybe living in the moment there with playing with Tiger. Which nothing wrong with that. It's it's the greatest of all time to ever to ever play the game and. He's got plenty of opens left in him for Max Holmes, so he might as well just soak it all in and walk walk the old course with him. I mean, I can't imagine, especially uh, at St. Andrews, to be paired with Tiger Woods and they just be able to soak it all in. But Tiger just, you know, for the first shot of the round, great stinger off the tee. It was like, yeah, this everybody's fired up, and it rolls into a divot. I feel like they got to change the rule on that. You shouldn't be penalized for hitting into another player's divot. You know, because that's really, I think, what led him to chunk that shot into the water, and he started off with a dub, double bogey and never recovered. So, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that fudge? Should they be able to move the ball out of a divot, or 
Is it just part of the game? Uh, see, I think it's one of those things where it's part of the game. I feel like it, if you start doing that, kind of like what we see now with the whole uh, animal burrows uh, with players. I mean, they're hitting up against a tree. We saw it with Bryson DeChambeau early in the year, um, you know, hitting a ball up near a tree. And then, you know, he claimed that it was uh, a burrowing animal there because the tree was hollow at the bottom. Uh, and of course, the official told him. He said, "No." He said, "That's just you know, that's just a tree." I said, "He can't. We can't classify that as a burrow." I said, "You know, like ant hills. You know, guys can move the ball. I, you know, they get that." But uh, I mean, it's just an unlucky bounce. I mean, that that's just something I think that's part of the game that you can't change because uh, some things are just are too sacred and too too original in tradition uh, to to change something like that. Well, they need to have these tour guys out there filling divots when they make one in the fairway. Like, come on, man, put some sand out there. Have your caddy carry a little bit of sand and put some sand down. You know, replace your divots. That's what we do on our courses. So, come on, take take a note of our playbooks. Well, uh, I but, tell you what, I said, but here's the deal. So, at St. Andrews, most of the time at other courses, that would happen. If guys are hitting wedge in, you know, of course, they get some giant, like, shoe print piece of turf that's, you know, flying out. Most of their caddies go and grab it and replace it. Um, right. And you don't run into that problem. So the problem with St. Andrews is, is it's a completely different type of grass. Um, and, and it's it's old and it's weathered. So, I mean, when you hit the ball, I said, good luck finding it. Because you guys watched the, watched the whole uh, broadcast. When guys would hit it, it was just like – it just went everywhere. It was like confetti, you know, yeah. when they hit it. So. Yeah, that's what – there wasn't really like a beaver tail to grab and put back down. So what what do you think the the future holds for Tiger? I'll let you hit it first, Tyler. Well, I know he said that he's going to be done this year of playing golf and then try and get it back. I know that he has, I think, his golf tournament in December, so I w- wouldn't doubt if he played in that one and then come back uh, in 2023 and probably play like one or two uh, more majors. But he's definitely in his back end of his career, so – it's kind of disappointing that he didn't make the cut uh, at what could possibly be his last open there at St. Andrews. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, the ovation at 18 was just terrific. And we saw Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homer kind of step back whenever they were all crossing the bridge and kind of give Tiger his moment. So I think that was class act there by those two golfers. Yeah, even though Homer didn't want us any money, I got to yeah. give him a shout out for that. So. But, uh, yeah, just seeing him overcome with emotion walk, when he was walking off 18, just st- something like that. I think uh, I saw somebody tweet it. If he would have stopped on that bridge and turned around and waved, everybody would have thought he would have been done. Kind of similar to a Drew Brees situation walking out of the Superdome. But he just kept on trucking. So I think he's, he's you know, he's going to get back in the lab. And, and like you said, he might play the tournament that, that he hosts, which – kind of hit or miss with that you know he's got his hosting duties I don't know if he's going to want to also play or not uh but I think turn I think he really only plays majors maybe maybe goes over and plays like the pro-am like he did last week just because that's just fun to play in uh but I think in terms of majors I don't think he plays a U.S. Open just based off the historical conditions of those courses but I think definitely a the Masters 100% every year he's going to try to play that and he really likes these opens uh, across the pond. So I think he, those, that'll be another one he tries to play. So, Fudge, what's your thoughts on that, Tiger? Yeah, I think uh, well, I think Tiger's long-term, I think what he should look at, I don't know if he is or not, 
But, you know, he had a storied uh, college career at Stanford. And I think that long-term-wise, I think um, him going back and coaching at Stanford would be an option. Um, I think they would welcome that highly from somebody I bet like you him. their recruiting class would be number one in the nation every single year. Check. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And then let him write whatever I mean, amount he want on it. <laughs> Especially, I mean, yeah, with the with the NIL deals and everything coming through. I mean, it's coming for golf too. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's everybody. So, I think uh, I think that would be a big boost to that, that college team. Uh, but no, I agree. I think Tiger's going to play a lot of the majors. I think he's going to stay away from uh, like the little stuff. I, I don't think he's going to be going out and and playing. Uh, he might play like the WGC events. Um, I could see that happening little match play stuff, just, you know, friendly rivalry stuff. But I, I don't see him uh, teeing it up every weekend. That's just not something I uh, envision him doing. I want to see him get out there and maybe be an assistant coach or head coach for the Ryder Cup. That'd be, that'd be something cool to see. Um, I want to, you know, we started last week with our newish segment. I don't know if I'll be able to keep this up because it's pretty hard to find quotes every week. But uh, quote of the week from the Open this week. Cam Smith was uh, asked about the Claret Jug, and he said that he's definitely going to find out how many beers he can fit in that thing. That's for sure. And then he walked off. So how many beers do you think you could fit in the Claret Jug? At least four. I like it. At least four. Nah, I think that. you can fit more. more. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, I'm I was thinking over under four. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> eight. Yeah, I'm thinking over four. But, hey, at least four definitely covers it. And, you know, at least four, we can kind of jump into the home run derby coming up tomorrow. How many home runs do you think Albert Pujols is hitting? At least four? Is that what we're going with, Tyler? Yeah. I think, <laughs> at least uh, four? I think it gets to eight probably. I mean, there's only so many home runs. I mean, it is time, so it's not like, you know, back in the day when it's 10 outs, you can just be like, oh, I'll just let this ball go. No, that was a bad ball. But you can't really do that anymore since it's time. You pretty much have to hit everything that comes to you. So I think that Albert Pujols – Going up against Kyle Schwarber, it's a tough matchup. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can bet on the home run derby. So, I'm sure, like, if Albert Pujols is pretty much like the Tiger Woods of this weekend going into the derby. Well, I saw on Twitter that you can bet on ostrich racing. So, I'm sure you can what? bet on the home run derby. <laughs> so, That's I'm good. sure one of these sports books has this covered. But to kind of give it a little breakdown, it's Kyle Schwarber uh, going up against Albert Pujols. Uh, Juan Soto going up against Jose Ramirez, Pete Alonso going up against Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr., Tyler's hometown hero, uh, and Corey Seager versus Julio Rodriguez. So, uh, who, who's your pick, Tyler? Who do you think? Uh, I'll go matchup by matchup first. I'll get my first round picks first, and then I'll go on to my overall. So, obviously, Kyle Schwarber is going to win it over Albert Pulos. I would love to see Albert Pulos make it all the way to the finals uh, out there. Uh, in Dodgers Stadium, but Schorber just, I mean, he's just a power hitter. I know that Pulos has a lot of experience of hitting home runs, but I just think that age has a factor in a time limit like this. Juan Soto versus Jose Ramirez. I think this is the best first-round matchup outside of, like, Pete Alonso, Ronald Acuna. I'm actually going to go with Jose Ramirez in this one. I know that Juan Soto last year, he had a pretty good performance, but Jose Ramirez – Man, he's just been hitting that ball on a tear as of late. So I have to go for Ramirez and a little upset there. Uh, and then Pete Alonso versus Ronald Acuna. Obviously, Acuna is my guy, but I don't really like the matchup here. I'm going to go with Pete Alonso, the polar bear advancing. 
Then the last one, Corey Seager versus Julio Rodriguez. Corey Seager has obviously the advantage here. He's played at Dodger Stadium, former Dodger himself. But Julio Rodriguez, I mean, he only has 15 home runs on the season, but he's been on a tear ever since the Mariners won 13 games. So that's another good one. I'll have to give it, though. Actually, you know, I'm going to go Julio Rodriguez. Why not? Go with the young buck there. And uh, I'm going to go Jose Ramirez, one and all. Why not? Okay, I like it. I like it. you know. I noticed. I don't think there's a Dodger player in it this year. No, there's we got not. A fo- I was, two former with Corey Seager and Albert Pujols. Yeah. Pujols was on there for a year, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they might have slipped. It's a bit surprising, I guess. Either I guess that none of the Dodgers wanted to participate. That's my only guess. I know last week Wade said maybe they'd slip Mookie Betts in there, but maybe he said he didn't want to do it. So. Yeah, I mean, the guys need rest. I mean, it's hard for them to say yes whenever, like like Jacob said, they're going to have, if like, if you go to the finals, like, just speak how many swings that you have to, to do, like, yeah. in every round. It, it's it's taxing on, like, you know, it's already 162 games that these guys play. So, I mean, they don't really get much of a break if you're competing in the home run derby and then also the game. Yeah. Do you I- think that. Do you think that we would see Mike Trout instead of somebody like Jose Ramirez had he not been out with back spasms? No, I think I think you possibly could. I think yeah, I, I I just think it's a possibility. I don't know if I would go with the Jose Ramirez pick uh, that Tyler went with. I just don't feel like Jose Ramirez is a deep ball hitter, um, and I'll, and of course for you to go deep in in this event, you have to hit the ball deep. I mean. It's one of those things where distance does matter. Um, and I'm glad that distance does matter now because in the past, I mean, it hasn't. It's just like, well, how many can you hit before you run it out? I mean, I remember the great year at Yankee Stadium when yeah, Josh Hamilton, uh, Josh Hamilton hit was like hitting 30. moonshots. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, it, and it was different. I mean, baseball was different even then. Uh, the baseballs were different that they were hitting. Bats that they were using were different. Uh, people just don't realize it's like in a regular game, you would never see something like that happen. Somebody hitting it in the third, fourth deck out there in, in right field at Yankee stadium. So I, I think that uh, I, th- I think I'm going to go with Pete Alonso to repeat. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see anybody else except for Kyle Schwarber that has that, that power um, in order to keep up. I mean, uh, you can go. So I did look, you can't go on Barstool and bet, uh, you know, so you can bet on the winner. You can't bet round by round. Um, well, they might add that when it starts. You know, I I, I noticed. Yeah, they might add like over under yeah. like how many yeah. home runs a guy has in a round. I, I right, and it's it's that. just the futures. It's just the futures at this point. But right now, I mean, opening Pete Alonso is plus one eighty five, um, and that's the best odds. Um, and your craziest odds would be Albert Pujols, who is uh, plus eighteen hundred. So. <laughs> Well, I yeah, like Albert so Pujols in this event uh, just because I'm the feel-good guy. I wanna, like the feel-good like, story. Like Chet says, you might want to sprinkle in a little. <laughs> you might want to sprinkle cash. a little cash on Albert Pujols <laughs> at plus eighteen hundred because just because it's the feel-good story. But like yeah. I said, Futch, you're picking the polar bear, which is ironic because you are trying to play at one of the polar bear courses with Jack Nicholas's course in Savannah this week. So nice little connection there. Maybe it'll work out for you. Oh uh, yeah, like I said, I like the upsets. Uh, Pujols is the number eight seed. So yeah, I'm rooting for Pujols to to 
to win it. I'm not rooting for Juan Soto because I think his mind might be elsewhere this week considering he just rejected a 15-year, $440 million extension from the Nationals. What's y'all's take on that? I feel like it was bound to happen. I mean, Juan Soto doesn't want to be a part of the Washington Nationals anymore. I mean, ever since 2019, there you got rid of Max Serger and then got rid of Trey Turner. So I'm sure that Juan Soto is just tired of being on a team that's in tank mode. So that's pretty much why he rejected a 15-year. I mean, to reject $440 million deal, I mean, you have to be insane. I mean, I don't care how many wins a team has. I would. If I were in that same position, I would accept that. I mean, four hundred forty million—it's hard to pass up. That's but, a lot of money. Yeah, it's it's going to take a lot. When I'm saying a lot, it's going to take a lot to give up Juan Soto. I mean, a team is going to have to give up pretty much their entire farm and a couple of like first, like I'm talking about a couple of round draft picks, probably at least seven first round draft picks for this. I mean, this this is going to be a monster deal. Who do you I mean, think? He's only thirty on? years old too, so I mean, he's got a lot of prime years left who needs i mean who needs that position right now though i mean let's the yankees you can break it down i mean nah, and the yankees don't have that money left i mean let's well, think about it they're paying matt carpenter way too much money i mean yeah matt as carpenter is, is like right now batting 389 right for them so. i don't know what happened i think he got some of that juice that Aaron judge has <laughs> no, got it's the stash that he's got it's the stash yeah i don't know what's going on hey the stash worked for cameron smith today the stash is working for matt carpenter so, so who do you think who do you think gets them? I think to me, there's only two teams that I could really think of: is the Dodgers or the Yankees. It's going to be one of those high market teams that has the money, has the farm to give up. I mean, Juan Soto. I mean, I don't know if the the Dodgers obviously don't need him. They already have an All Star team, but it's the Dodgers. I mean, you already have an All Star team. Why not get Juan Soto? But I can see. I don't know if anybody like in the NL East is going to get him because I'm sure the Nationals don't want to trade in the division. I'm, I mean, they're just not going to do that. Yeah, no, that totally that that I wouldn't do it. So, but for it's going to be a very steep price to pay. Like you said, you're going to have to get up the whole farm. Fan, I want him to go to the AL. I don't want to face him anymore. (laughs) You're going to have to give up the whole farm and the barn. So yeah, we'll see. You have to give up everything. You're going to have to give your whole future. Here's the thing. I, I think a team, it's going to be weird, but I think a team that's been on a roll lately uh, that could pull the trigger on somebody like Soto would be the Mariners out west. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that happening. I mean, adding another big bat would be huge for them. Um, I think that ultimately would stake their claim in the playoffs uh, if, if they do do something like that. I think they're one big step away you know, from really being – that team out there Um, because right now, you know, they kind of battle a little bit here and there, but I I think that uh, I think that they're, they're the team to watch out for in the future. They're young. I think they're, they just need that veteran that can devolt them to the next level. Hey, and if he does go to the Mariners, let's see if they can get it done before the all-star breaks over because that's the game we're going to watch over in Houston on Sunday. It'll be the Astros versus Mariners. Is is Altuve healthy? I saw he was out for the all-star game. Uh, I saw he played uh, last weekend, so he'll probably be fine. He probably just rested up, you know. Um, he he knows we're coming to town, so he wants to give us his best performance. Yeah, we'll and I'm hoping we can get Verlander on the mound. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, with all this big money talk, we got to talk about uh, Mr. DeAndre Ayton 
getting an offer from the Pacers for $133 million and the Suns going, hey, hold on now, we'll match that. So I thought when I saw that the, the Pacers offered him, I thought, okay, he's gone. Here comes KD to the Suns. But the, I don't know if the Suns are totally sold on that. What do you think? You think uh, they're still going to go after KD after offering that to DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, I mean, I think they're still in, in the races here, even with DeAndre. You know, I think that a player like Cam Johnson is definitely going to have to be uh, the player for the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, they're not going to trade away a, like a Chris Paul or, or Devin Booker, so they're, they're going to have to look elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, maybe with this uh, that the Suns are out, uh, I would still have to say the number one in the in the – KD sweepstakes have to be the Miami Heat with just the, the raw talent that they have on that roster that they can give up. What do you think, Fudge? Where does he go? Um, I think a good landing spot for KD. Let's see. Um, I can tell you where it's not going to be. How about that? Okay, let's hear it. Well, it ain't going to be the Knicks. It's not going to be the Nets because he's not staying. Um, well, I, well, here's the deal. All the bottom teams, pretty much. You can I think there's every... going to be a problem here. I don't think anybody's going to sign him before the season starts, if you want me to be honest. I think that he's going to pull the Ben Simmons and not play and sit there and say, I'm not you know, I'm not playing until you guys give me a contract somewhere else. Um, I could see that happening because ultimately he's still under contract uh, with the Nets. I mean, they hold his destiny. There is no uh, – you know, player option for it. You know, I mean, there's you can't decline a player option. I mean, that is just asking for a trade. I mean, that's like asking for, you know, something for Christmas. I, I, I don't know if uh, – I, I don't know if they're going to give it to him. I, it would be something that they're going to want a lot for. Um, teams that could give them a lot. Um, it's got to be a big team. That's the only problem. And he can't go to back to Golden State. Um, I don't think they have that cap space in order to do it. They just don't have the depth to give up because uh, they're not going to give up a Clay Thompson or a Draymond Green. They're definitely not going to give up Curry, obviously. Um, Dude, but I think Curry that for KD that could, would he, break the NBA. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like Jordan Poole and like it would have to be like a Jordan Poole Andrew Wiggins package, probably. I don't know, but I I agree with you, Tyler. I think that Miami is probably the best bet for him to land. Um, I think that Tyler Hero has to be in the deal um, for sure. I don't gotta go get stays. me a new Tyler Hero jersey. I guess. <laughs> you gotta go get you yeah. a Nets uh, Hero jersey. <laughs> I don't think he stays. There's no way. I mean, I think what they would try to do is try to pair him with Jimmy Butler. I think that's their best bet. Uh, Lowry, KD, and Butler. That'd be somewhere else, though. Yeah, I mean, I to, I, if you're Miami, that if you would, I would do Lowry, Hero, and then maybe like a couple of picks, and maybe get a bench player in that. I could definitely yeah, see him. I think like I was gonna say, I could definitely see him pulling a Ben Simmons. I mean, he hung out with the guy for half a year, so he probably got some pointers on how to do it. You know, what outfits to wear on the bench, so you look like you you know know what you're doing. Um. But yeah, the Heat definitely sound Giant like an oversized sweater. Yeah, the, the what was it? Neon yellow or neon orange? One of the, one of those no, colors. Pink, it was pink. Uh, yeah. Salmon. It was pink, the really long one with like the noodle arms on it. Yeah, it was yeah. salmon, I salmon. believe. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> so, real technical with it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, whatever, wherever he goes, it's gonna 
you're pretty much going to reshape a franchise because you're going to have to give up a lot for them. Um, and, you know, it should be interesting. And a little other NBA nobody's, talk. Hey, nobody's, nobody's talked about maybe him going to Milwaukee either. To team up with Giannis. You see him pair up, pair up with Giannis. Um, I think that – They would have to give uh, like a Middleton in a – I think they Holiday. would give up. I think they would give up Middleton and Holiday. I think they yeah. would do it for that. I mean, that's that's ultimately a possibility. I mean, they would be. I think if you're Brooklyn, that's probably your best low. package right there. I think so because you do need guard help. Yeah, you yeah. do need guard help. They do. It'll hey if uh, you know if he leaves, it may give our boy Cam Thomas from LSU a little more playing time. He can really show what he can do up there in Brooklyn. So uh, a little bit well, of other in- more playing. Time, sure. Yeah. Some other NBA news. They had to. I, I saw today they had the Summer League Championship, and uh, the Portland Trailblazers yep. won it. But during that announcement, they were sh- cut into highlights of the Pelicans game. So, what's going on with the NBA Summer League? Do they have like two different leagues going? Like you got a rookie league and then a, a, a non-rookie league. Like I don't understand how. Or were they just showing highlights of the game? No. Do, do well, you, the Pelicans did play today. They played the Thunder, so I'm guessing it, there's some scenarios that happen. I guess that with the Knicks and the and the Blazers getting into the championship. But, I mean, it's the summer league, so I mean, I guess it. Oh, matters. I think for, it was. I think it ahead. was. They were so far. They were so far ahead of everybody. I think. There, I don't think there was a possibility for anybody else to be matched yeah. up. Um, I think it was like it was already a given because of what had happened already. Um, but I, I, I don't understand summer league because they, now they're playing Utah now for a couple of games. It's just confusing. Nobody shows up for the games. Uh, Utah's fans don't even show up for Utah jazz games. It, it, I don't know. It, it's really confusing. It's, it's, well, like even, there was one on here earlier, just a little bit ago. I was watching, it was golden state and somebody else, uh, Detroit maybe, but, uh, it, uh, I, I was, I'm confused. I just lost. <laughs> well, Damian Lillard found out that his own Trailblazers won on an Instagram Live with Trenton Watford. So, I mean, he he's not even cued into what's going on in the summer league. Uh, he got a, he had a little, a little maybe a little side chick next to him. Uh, he's like, "Hold up, girl, you can't be on the camera." And pushed her out of the way. I was cracking up when I saw that. You gotta be careful, Lillard. Can't be caught slipping out there. So, but yeah, the NBA summer league doesn't really make any sense. Uh, what do you think of the Drew League with LeBron showing up and complaining about the play? It's like, dude, you're playing a bunch of amateurs. Like, the guy just got off the shift, his 9-to-5 shift. Who cares if he fouls you, okay? Take the foul. I mean, you already put up 42 points on these scrubs. Like, And then you had uh, DeMar DeRozan getting, in, getting chippy with some dude that he, like, got pushed. They had to get held back. I was like, man, you're an NBA player. Like, don't even waste your time getting in a fight with some other guy in the Drew League. I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, Fletch. What's your thoughts on that? Um, so I think that the official should have ejected LeBron. Uh, that would have been kind of funny. He's <laughs> ejected from a drooly game. The official would have needed a lot. Oh, my God. It, it, and it's like the, the officials are so casual. I feel like it's just some guy that, like, it's some retired guy that was, like, They put out a Craigslist ad. Military. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, well, I'm gonna go do this on the weekend. Like, yeah, it's like everybody's a volunteer. Here's, uh, here's LeBron rolling in, carrying his giant freaking four liter thing of water because he's got monster hands and the thing looks like, uh, like a little tiny sippy cup in his hand. 
uh, but it probably suits him well because he does wine a lot. So, uh, <laughs> so taking I, shots I, at LeBron, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So well, if you're the and, fisher, as far as you can't the, really do anything about LeBron because you know dang well Sports Center is going to be like, oh, the, this official to put out LeBron, <laughs> bro. That official probably couldn't do it because. They probably would have mugged him coming out. I think imagine him just getting thrown out. So yeah, everybody shows up to watch. They're all showing up to watch LeBron play, and he gets ejected halfway through the game. Uh, so, like, is it is the Drew League just kind of like a little amateur competition that NBA players show up to? Pretty much. Okay, it's a it's a publicity stunt. I think I think it's just a publicity stunt. I mean, what happens if some guy actually gets hurt? Let's say DeRozan comes down wrong and gets hurt. He's out you know, with an ACL for who knows how long, you know, is that that's that shoots the team's playoff chances. I mean, let's think about it. The Lakers don't have anybody, but LeBron, uh, DeRozan's really the only option in Chicago. Um, hey, so, don't, I mean, don't hate on Lonzo. Ball. Uh, yeah. Well, Lonzo ain't exactly carrying anybody through the playoffs. All right. So, <laughs> hey, he was cooking this year. Okay. It was. I think Leangelo. I think his younger brother did better in Labella? summer league yeah. than he did all. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That man, don't be hating on, on Lonzo when comparing him to Jello. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say a few years ago I saw Trey Young show up to one of these truly games and just absolutely cooked these guys. I mean, taking ankles, making shots from like half court, it was insane. Oh, uh, but what I want to see out of the Drew League is whoever's like. Garden LeBron, just take over. Start dominating. Just making shots from all over the place. Just like raining on LeBron. How awesome would that be if someone were to get like a contract out of the Drew League from just dominating on LeBron? Be like, imagine you drop imagine you drop LeBron, just ankle breaker on LeBron. That, that would be literally the video of the year. Yeah, you, you, you would, would have, have to get signed. Get signed at least a ten day for that ten day contract with the Lakers. LeBron can't play. <laughs> yeah, because he just broke days. his ankles. So I mean, it, it's <laughs> NBA offseason. Not a whole lot going on besides free agency. So it's I always I'll pop in on Twitter, and you know that's all Sports Center talking about is LeBron puts up forty two points, six assists, and two blocks in the Drew League game. Like, come on, man! They're playing. He's playing a bunch of amateurs. Of course, he put up forty two points. Uh, you know, uh, talk about. So former, not well, I guess they're amateurs of boxing now. I read some news: Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson are having a boxing match uh, next year. That's why Le'Veon Bell is officially retired from the NFL. So luckily, I don't have to draft him anymore in fantasy football because uh, he really screwed me there last year. What are you? What are your thoughts on these former athletes getting out in the ring and boxing each other? I guess whenever you know you're done with football, you got to find something else to do. And I guess for Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, be like, hey, let's go in boxing match. I guess I don't know if these like like they have some feud going on or not, but if they do, they can put it out in the boxing ring. And yeah, I want to see if they got some drama going on behind the scenes. There's pent up aggression, but Le'Veon Bell's is significantly younger age than Adrian Peterson, so yeah. I don't know uh, how that's going to work for all AP. I, I don't know, and it, it's not going to be the it's not going to be the feather white the featherweight division. I can promise you that because I'm sure they've both put on a few pounds. That's like, dude. Could you imagine somebody like Frank Gore getting in the ring with them? Like, that, Gore that is isn't Gore uh, yeah. Yeah. doing a boxing he, career? I think he is. He is, um, and he's already got a broken nose from football, so I mean, it doesn't really matter. So, I think. Uh, I think he could take punches all day long. That guy's like the Terminator. 
So I, I think that uh, I think that would be great. Like seeing some like Adrian Peterson's Frank Gore, like two guys that played same time just going at it. That would be that would be something else. Yeah, I bet you there's a little backyard feud from that. I don't know what Le'Veon Bell and AP, you know, if there is any feud or if they're just, hey, we're out of money. Our contracts the past few years sucked. Well, I mean, Le'Veon Bell did get paid all that money from the Jets, but he might have spent it all already. He needs to get in the ring now and, and mix it up. Listen, listen, Adrian Peterson is going to be known for his NFL career and Le'Veon Bell is going to be known for his boxing career. Because <laughs> Le'Veon Bell literally isn't known for anything else except news headlines uh, with issues of being arrested or something else uh, or uh, knocking some guy out in the ring. That's about it. Yeah, and speaking of a news headline, we had Justin Jefferson last week come out and say uh, he gave credit to Devontae Adams, best wide receiver in the NFL in his mind, but he said, coming soon, it's going to be him. What are your thoughts on that? You like the cockiness coming from Jay Jettis, Tyler? Yeah, I think in the same interview, he also said that the 2019 team was the best team ever, so that that is not a lie, but it's also not a lie to Devontae Adams. He just speaks Adams. facts. Yeah, I mean, he speaks facts. I think Devontae Adams – Right now, he's the best route runner in the NFL. There's, there's no denying that. But, I mean, the young guys, obviously, if you're ranking the young wide receivers, Justin Jefferson's probably number one out of all of them, including Jamar Chase. I would put put him at probably three. Cooper Cup is right behind Justin Jefferson right now. If, if Cup has another, you know, season like he did last year, I mean, Cup could go into that list too. So, I think that Justin Jefferson, if he continues – his dominance, then he could definitely be in the conversation up there with Devontae. I think what happened? Order... What happened to uh, DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, I remember a couple well, of years ago because Hopkins we is about, suspended yeah. for PEDs well, and he yeah. hadn't played like a year. So he's, who knows what's going to happen with him? The past couple of seasons, I know. I said, but we talked about you know he had some of the craziest catches we've seen. You know? I think he's got the best hands in the NFL. Over, yeah, I, I think so too. I think in the best. I mean. You can really break it down. Yeah, I do think that Devontae Adams is the best route runner um, in the NFL right now. I think your best as far as speed goes, of course, is Tyree Kill. Um, and then we'll I see think how your that best pans hands out. Guy, yeah, I think your best hands guy is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. I think, I think that's ultimately uh, your top three. And I think Cooper Cup is vaulting himself into uh, the more – you know, route runner type type guy. I wouldn't say he has great hands. Um, I'd say he's more of he can beat you on a route and it's over. I mean, it's I one think of those. he's he's looking like uh, this generation's Julian Edelman. You know, shorter yeah. guy that uh, they just put him out there third down, hit a slant route. We're throwing it to you immediately. He's catching it no matter what. You know, he's Mister like dependable. Well, think, about it. think about it. He's kind of, yeah, and he is like Edelman because I mean. Remember how aggressive Edelman was at the line of scrimmage uh, with guys. I mean, they put him in the slot, and he was so aggressive for the first five yards because, I mean, you could make contact for the first right. however many yards and and uh, really, I mean, would beat guys right there. And then at that point, you're gone. I mean, I can't remember how many times I watched Julian Edelman beat a guy five yards out and take it to the house, you know, 65 yards because, I mean, there's nobody there. I mean, it's a one-on-one matchup. You just got to be smart. Yeah, and – I think uh, old Jay Jettis could definitely be the best wide receiver in the NFL, but what worries me is his quarterback. He's got Kirk Cousins back there throwing him the ball. So, I mean, and then he's also competing with Adam Thielen, which I think they kind of complement each other well. Uh, but someone that just kind of came to mind, minus all of the drama, but 
I could see Jay Jettis kind of being compared with like a young Odell Beckham. You know, he started off on a team that was decent. Uh, he was known. He got a lot of targets. But the quarterback play has kind of held him back, uh, especially when Odell went to Cleveland, with Baker Mayfield, that whole story. But now that he's over there at L- in L.A., he really had a, a breakout year. Um, but I think for Justin Jefferson to elevate himself to like a DeAndre Hopkins level, he's got to get an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback, which now or not DeAndre Hopkins, sorry. Uh, what's his name? Devontae Adams, which now Devontae Adams has Derek Carr. We'll see how that goes. Carr is not the worst quarterback in the world, but he's probably a little better than uh, Kirk Cousins out there in, in Minnesota. So I think either the Vikings got to do something quarterback-wise or Jay Jettis is going to have to get on a team with a quarterback. I think I – think- Jay Jettis is going to do something as far as his own personal thing. I think he's going to cut ties with Minnesota eventually. I think once his, I think his rookie deal is up, I forget how long it's for, but, uh, but I think once that's up, I think he moves on. I think, I think the number one landing spot for him. And I think the team that vaults him to success quarterback wise and everything still young is Justin Herbert over there in, in with the chargers. I think he fits in perfect with that team. Uh, they need a wide receiver, so I think he could be their wide receiver one over there. Uh, absolutely. Wouldn't that be something with Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson going up with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow? I mean, the two guys that really the, – sure. the two of yeah. them are pretty much the future of the NFL. I mean, minus like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but I think that's just like different years there to where they're, they're, the NFL is in good hands in terms of that. If that ultimately happens, if Justin Jefferson goes to the Chargers, it's the Chargers all of a sudden have the best receiving core in the league. You have Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one, Keenan Allen, two, and then my, big Mike Williams, three. I mean, that is just – man, they're scoring 40 points a game at least. Hey, imagine if Antonio Gates was still oh, young and was a part of that team still. Jeez. You can look at like the Bengals, for example. You got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and uh, help me out, Tyler. Who's their third guy? Uh, Lord is their third one. Yes, yeah, Tyler. Yeah, their tight end situation is looking good. They've got some offensive line help now. They just got to get rid of Eli Apple on defense uh, side and maybe sign another cornerback, and they might be back in the Super Bowl. So I mean, that that, the younger with with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, that's going to be some interesting quarterback battles. It's, it's very similar to like a uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or like a Tom Brady and Drew Brees type battle. You know, that type of rivalry in that situation. Uh, we're talking a lot about wide receivers. Tyler, let's let's kick it over to Tyler's fantasy football corner. Uh, who are, Who's your must-draft wide receivers this week or this year in, in fantasy football? Well, before I do that, I'll, I'll just go ahead and give you my top six overall. So this is just in order. So number one uh, for me is Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be the, the Cooper Cup of this year's uh, fantasy. I think that Cooper Cup is going to have a great fantasy season. Don't get me wrong. I think obviously from his historic season uh, with like 30 points per game, I think he's still going to get like an average like 25 points per game around that margin. It's going to be a little bit of a drop off there. But I have Justin Jefferson one, Cooper Cup two. I have Jamar Chase at three at Cincinnati. Uh, though, if you're looking at both of the Cincinnati Bengals, whether it's T. Higgins, maybe say like in the second or third round, that's not a bad option either. 
But Jamar Chase, I mean, he's got the connection from college and to the rookie season with Joe Burrow. So you got to go with that one-two punch there. Number four, I still add Devontae Adams. Like I said, he's still the best wide receiver. Uh, now his situation does get a little bit more challenging. You have Hunter Renfro there. You have Darren Waller there as well. In Green Bay, there really wasn't many competition uh, for targets there. And, and then now you have Josh Jacobs out the backfield who can also catch some passes there. So, But I think uh, Devontae Adams, uh, I, I'm not really worried about Derek Carr as the quarterback. They both played at Fresno State. So the connection is definitely there. Number five, I got Chet's boy Stephon Diggs there at Buffalo. Also, I like Gabe Davis. We saw what he did in that A- in that it was the AFC divisional game against Kansas City. He was pretty much the only wide receiver to show up in that game with four touchdowns. So that could be another selection if you're looking for a wide receiver too. Uh, I mean, shoot, if you even want to do a one-two punch of Diggs and Gabe Davis on your lineup, that wouldn't be a bad pick either. Number six, I think this is going to be my breakout wide receiver of the year, C.D. L- Lamb. No. Michael Gallup at the start of the season, I think I don't I don't remember what injury he had, but I think it's either Achilles or a torn ACL. It's one of those. But then you also don't have Amari Cooper as well, so a lot of targets are going to be up for grabs. So CD Lamb's going to be uh, one, but I also have a sneaky pick here for the Cowboys if you're looking for a sleeper, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. He's going to be the wide receiver too. Uh, for the Cowboys. So that is my top six. Uh, before I get into my other must-draft wide receivers, what do you all think of that? I like uh, the Gabe Davis little one-two punch for Stephon Diggs. I always like taking yeah. – so, you know, in the, in the early rounds, I like to take one of the big-name wide receivers, you know, like a Justin Jefferson, yeah. a Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. DeAndre – or uh, DeAndre Hopkins, somebody like that. But I do like taking – their number two wide receiver. Because yeah. if you think about it, like you mentioned in that divisional game, Stephon Diggs was locked up. They were double teaming him. So that opens up Davis for big games. So it, I always yeah. try to – if I need to pick up somebody up that, that week, I try to look at a number two or number three wide receiver because the, the corners are going to be concerned with their number one guy. Right. So And then, you know, having Jefferson at one I think is a good good choice. I mean, I've got uh, the num- the number one pick in this year's draft. I don't know if I'm going to spend it on a running back or a wide receiver. We'll see. I need to do some more research on that. Um, but I agree with what you said with Cooper Cup. I think he's still going to have a great year. But it's going to be hard to match the performance yeah. he did last year. I think it will fall off a little bit. But I think he's going to have some big receptions. I liked your South Alabama pick in there at the end. I don't know if that was a little bit of bias with Fletch on the show. But I'll, no. Fletch, I'll hear your, your takes on that. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 without the bias, I think it, it's a good pick. Anyways, uh, I mean, what he did uh, with a team in college that really just didn't have, uh, really have anybody. I mean, you had Jake Bentley, who was the transfer from Utah, uh, that you know played a lot of the season for them. Uh, was a good option, but talk about a guy who just went up and made a catch. Uh, that we thought would be, like, impossible multiple times in the season. I mean, I watched highlights of catches that were just absolutely insane. I was like, there's no way he got that. Like, uh, just reaching over the back of some guy and uh, and catching one. I mean, stuff that we see from top-tier wide receivers in the NFL uh, that we're seeing, you know, in college. I was like, golly, I said, this is going to be a really good player. And and he's got that build, I think, to be – 
uh, a good wide receiver. He has that CD Lamb build a little bit, uh, that quick speed. He's thin, uh, you know, can got long arms. I mean, huge long arms. Uh, they can reach out and catch pretty much anything. So I, I think that's a that's a really good fit for the Cowboys. Um, Dak's just got to find them. I yeah. think that's ultimately trusting trusting a young guy. I think that's the problem with the NFL um, is getting quarterbacks acclimated to these young guys and making sure that they uh, have the confidence to throw a guy and say, hey, I can depend on this guy to make a big catch in the big situation because, I mean, that's your only options. I mean, as Tower said, that's really it. I mean, C.D. Lamb and Tolbert and Jalen Tolbert are really your only options there unless you're just going to go, uh, you know, to the tight end there. I mean, he's an easy target for him, but uh, I think ultimately you have to – if they want to make a playoff run, they have to rely on each and every guy on the field. Yeah, Tyler's good at finding those sleeper picks. I will say is he's always – Sneaking around, <laughs> he's always sneaking around in the late round, late rounds of the draft, and usually pick somebody with a breakout year. So remember Tolbert uh, at the end of at the end of your draft. So that was your your top six. Who who's your who's an extra uh, an extra pick that you can give us? I'll give you I'll give you some more. I'll just give our viewers bonus. I mean, our viewers are loyal to us. So I might as well give all the help that needed. Uh, since the focus this week is on wide receivers. Mike Evans, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's no more Antonio Brown. He's gone. So those are no targets. Chris Godwin, he's uh, coming off an injury. He's another player that's going to be out at least six weeks at the start of the season. So there's really no really other targets. I mean, you do. I do have – these are two Tampa Bay. These are another one-two points that you could do. If you want to do Mike Evans and Russell Gage – that uh, wouldn't be a bad choice as well. I think that Mike Evans is going to be a top five receiver by the end of the season. I mean, Tom Brady last season, uh, this this was his favorite target. I mean, outside of Evans and Russell Gage, there's not really going to be many targets to share. And the Gronk news is obviously huge for Evans as well. There's going to be less target share for there. Another one is Michael Pittman, the Colts receiver. That's another one. I think he's obviously got the upgrade at – quarterback now Carson Wentz yeah, Matt Ryan that's an upgrade so there's definitely going to be a lot of target shares we know we saw what Matt Ryan did in Atlanta you know all the crazy years that Julio Jones has and then last year we saw Russell Gage became the wide receiver one for the Falcons so I mean the shares there for Michael Pittman you no longer have T.Y. Hilton to deal with there the Colts is pretty much Paris Campbell are going to be your wide receiver number two Another guy I like is uh, is Darnell Mooney. No more Allen Robinson. He's going on to the Rams, so he will be the Chicago Bears wide receiver one. And then another sneaky one. Why not go grab one of the? Honestly, I like both of these Saints uh, receivers, either Chris Olave or Jared uh, or Jarvis Landry. Obviously, Michael Thomas is just a no brainer. If he's healthy, you got to grab him, especially in the early rounds. Uh, but if you can get a guy like in the middle round as if you're playing like a three wide receiver, I and mean, if you have Landry or Lave as either your wide receiver two or wide receiver three, that could win your league right there. Yeah, no, I definitely think uh, taking someone like Landry late rounds, uh, he's he's a sleeper pick, but he's mm-hmm. similar to a Cooper Cup, Julian Edelman type player. He's got the hands. He's the dependable guy. So it's for the Saints. It's really going to come down to how Jameis Winston plays because uh, we got the wide receiver core now. If we'd have had this wide receiver core with Drew Brees, 
I mean, Drew Brees was throwing at people that they were picking up off the streets. So if, if we if we'd have had this with Drew Brees, who knows what would have happened? Uh, so with with tune in, uh, we're gonna start doing this Tyler's fantasy football corner every week. What what a position group are we looking at next week, Tyler? Uh, we'll focus on the position that ultimately wins or loses, and that'll be the quarterback position. Okay, so tune in next week for the quarterback picks. Uh, but you know we have our fantasy football expert Tyler. Also on this show, we have our NASCAR expert, Mr. NASCAR Neil. Uh, we have him on for a little live segment. So I hope you listeners enjoy that. We'll go ahead and throw it to NASCAR Neil. What's up, everyone? Let me tell you about a company called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or even your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So we're joined by the famous, infamous you know, however you want to call him, NASCAR Neil. How you doing tonight, Neil? Doing great. Yeah, for those for those who don't know or are new to the show, we usually have uh, the NASCAR Neil segment get added on at the end. Uh, and we figured, you know what, might as well have him on, give a live update. What's been going on? I know you texted me earlier this week. There's been some crazy stuff going on in NASCAR. So hit us with a race update, and we can talk about some of the drama going on behind the scenes. So today was the race at Loudon, New Hampshire. It was a little, it's a nice little short flat track, one miler, beautiful little track. I was kind of weird. A lot of people were unsure about this week because of this new car on the short tracks have been kind of questionable, not the best. Ended up being a solid race. Uh, Chris Bell managed to, managed to become the winner on a late restart. Uh, after my personal guy, I'm a, I'm a Martin Truex fan. He led the better part of the race, but had some issues toward the end, but overall really good race, had some, had a, several natural cautions, which, but also some long runs, which at this track, there's been, a, been some issues lately of not having a natural caution, and it's just been super long runs, not much happening, but today we got a little bit of everything, it was nice. So the nat- the natural caution you mentioned, is that just kind of, they slow everybody down to mix it up some, or, uh, or how does that a natural, work? A natural caution is where there's a wreck or something that actually naturally happens in the flow of the racing. There's a big thing. Some people who follow the sport closely last several years have a have a thing where we call them where the TV or the, or the network or the NASCAR itself will throw a caution. And there's not really shouldn't be a caution to try to bunch everybody back, to bunch everybody back up, cause restarts. And then also, there's the two stage cautions at the end of the first and second stage, which again bunches everybody back up. But a natural caution is there's a spin out or something like that. And there were several of this today. Okay. Which at this track and the other mile and a half, mile one milers, there's some cases of there's just people just run and run and run, and there's not much, there's no, nothing naturally occurs to happen. But today there was several spin outs. Kyle Busch, the very infamous driver, spun out twice on his own, had a relatively bad day at Steve Mike, but managed to gain ground on stuff late in the race. But overall, it was a good race. So, how, how many laps was today's race? It was 300 laps because it was, it was a it's a one mile track and it was a 301 race. Okay, so I got a question for you. If a driver has to use the restroom during the race, what do they do? They just pee in their suit. 
Yep. It's, it's and now what if you got to go number two? Like you, you got to pull you over and with, take a penalty you, lap, or you, you you deal with it. Yeah, you, you had a liquid the, diet for a few days. Some of the some of the like, some of the guys know like it's, it's a, some of the people that in interviews they'll mention and they go they just deal with it, you know. And and there've been cases of some drivers who it affects their driving, like they they will end up slowing down and not drive as good because because stuff's going on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got the bodily fluids messing with you. <laughs> I've always yeah. wondered, has 300 laps, that's what, like four or five hours your typical race? Uh, today's, it was, it's about three hours. Yeah, so. Because it, it was a one-mile track, and it was a relatively short race. Like the Coke 600, which is a 600-miler at 400 laps, it's it's a good six, it's, it's a good four and a half, five-hour race with caution and stuff. Yeah, it's I don't know how they, they stay awake for that long. Like, you know, I have trouble driving two hours and you're driving on an interstate and you kind of see a few things, but I guess it's so much adrenaline pumping. You're going over 200 I mean, miles and an hour. And, and that's at Charlotte. It's a very fast mile and a half track. It's the home of the sport. It's, and so it's, a, I don't know, those times there's always a lot of action going on, especially this year. It was one of the better, better, better Coke 600 this year. So that was a big issue, but some years they get strung out. I can see where it'd be an issues, but yeah. Yeah, I'd be having like my coach, you know, blast like an air horn through the through the earpiece, kind of like jump you away, oh, yeah. get, you, get you good to go. I mean, if you're in traffic, you have your spotter constantly giving you call outs throughout the things. So that's kind of keeping you attentive, yeah, so you, you know. You can kind of talk to somebody and maybe keep you awake. But yeah. I imagine there's so much yeah. adrenaline going through you when you're going that fast, you don't really get tired. And there are some drivers who on those long runs that like a, say a play or something like that, that they'll have their spotter just, and then they're not really in action. They'll have the spotter just talk to them just to keep them entertained about random yeah. shit that's going on. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know we talked a little bit earlier this week. Uh, what's the drama going on in NASCAR right now? You're talking about somebody switching teams. So something that some people don't realize is that NASCAR tampering does not exist as another sport in terms of free agency and whatnot. So it got announced Tuesday that Tyler Reddick, who's one of the young superstar up and comers, it got announced Tuesday that he's leaving after next year for 2311, which is a team co-owned by Michael Jordan and Dean okay. Hamlin. Okay, cool. So, so Michael Jordan's in the in the racing business. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's a co-owner with Denny Hamlin, who drives the 11 car for gotcha. racing and stuff. But it's a big deal because he's a top. He's one of the top young guys, and and everybody kind of thought that he may be the driver that Richard Childress Racing, which is the famed team that Dale Hart Senior drove for for all of his career. Very historic team that he drives the eight car for them right now. Right. And and about two weeks ago, he won his first career first Cup race with them. And announced he was doing, he was having his, his his option similar to an NFL like a rookie option. They have he had one of those on his contract, and they and they accepted that offer. He he decided to sign that for next year, but then now he got signed for a whole another year. And there's like, oh, is he gonna? Are they gonna end up firing him for this year? Are they gonna do something different? They do some weird to get him out of the car. Could they? Could they? Could they not have him drive the car but keep him under contract where? He, he, where he's not in the car for a year, which would hurt your development, you would think. Or do you fire him? If you fire him, then what's he going to drive next year? Because the car he's probably going into two years, that driver's still active. Like right. And so it's kind of a mess of what happens, and it just adds to the silly season, which is the term for NASCAR offseason. We call it silly season because silly stuff happens. Like people speculate like crazy. Like probably one of the best drivers in the, in the sport right now is contract is still up in the air. Right, and okay. they've, they've, which is Kyle Busch, love him or hate him, right? He, uh, his, his contract, his contract's up. His major sponsor that's been on his car for his career is leaving the sport, which is Mars, which is M and M's, and stuff. They're leaving sports, so 
that's why with money, he's a very highly paid person because of that sponsorship money. And it's, does he take a pay cut? Does he try to leave the team? Does he go to a different manufacturer? Can he do a Toyota? And there's really only really one major, there's really only one Toyota team, which is the team he's on. It's a giant mess going on. That Hopefully we're going to answer that in a couple of weeks, which would make it more fun for next year. What would happen to that? So. Yes. So with NASCAR contracts, I mean, what's like a typical contract like a, or a big money hitter? You know, because we hear things like, uh, for example, like baseball, I think, you know, the offer like Bryce Harper's got like $400 million for 10 years or something like that. What's like a typical NASCAR contract? A lot of people don't really actually know. It's, it's one of those things because there's kind of, it's not really published too well, too much really. Okay. It's kind of so a lot of, does a lot of their money come what, from endorsement deals? Is that kind uh, of where they get paid uh, mostly? So most of a NASCAR team is funded by the sponsors you see on the cars. They pay the bill for the cars and whatnot. And some people like Kyle Busch, example, he's paid, he's one of the higher paid drivers because his major sponsor, they pay a bunch of his salary while the team itself is not paying as much of the money and stuff. And it's one of those things. But then the, we're starting to see an issue now that the market's kind of falling, coming down a little bit where in the mid 2000s, people were making millions on millions of dollars. People got a lot, people got very rich off of it. And so as, as there's a driver now that's selling his, who's, who's a back marker driver, so to say, he's towards the back of the field, is selling his 9,000 square foot mansion right now for $14 million. Yeah, he can't and he's never driven. He's never driven on a major team. He's never won a lot of races, but he was in the sport during the big, big money era where they make a lot of money. But I think, I think about 2 million a year is, pretty good i think from my understanding but i'm not not sure on third on how that really works Dude, two million dollars a year to drive a car really fast i think i could get, get on board with that the uh i guess the I so mean, i guess they're they're kind of tied into how our economy's doing considering the majority of their money's coming from their sponsors so if the sponsors aren't making money they're not making money so especially yeah, right and, now with the economy being all crazy that makes sense and as in a big thing you hear about other sports now is tv deals the tv deal for nascar is coming up here pretty soon and there's a big push in this next TV deal of the owners and the teams to get more cut of that money, which would make it where they're not necessarily driven as the teams are necessarily driven as much money on the sponsorship dollars, because there's a big issue now in the sport of what we call paid drivers, where people drivers who bring their own funding, either their parents are part of big companies that have money behind them. They in the car when they're really not that talented, they're, they're good drivers, but they're not, Good and they're those people that are better than them. They don't bring money to the table. Gotcha. It, it sucks because you have, and and you got some teams that like, like uh, like there's a, there's a guy driving driving the Xfinity series named Josh Berry. He's just now getting a chance to drive the Xfinity series because he found one sponsor that was able to fund him. Phenomenal driver. The man was the man was up front all day yesterday in the Xfinity race, but he never brought funding to the table, so he could never really get a ride. But uh, because the TV deals structure where nascar itself the organization gets, gets gets a lot of the money and so does the uh so does smi which is the which is the major track owners where they're getting more of the money than the actual teams and the drivers themselves yeah i mean it's just like everything else in, in the world money money talks so you got to have money if you want if you want to race so what's going on yeah. with with playoffs you know i know we talked so, a little bit about that uh so, tell us how it works how does the like the rankings uh, kept up and what's the story? Right. So in NASCAR playoffs, it's a it's a nine week plus a championship race where every three races, three drivers are eliminated until you're down to your final four. And, and there's sixteen to start with. Yeah, you start with sixteen, and 
in under this current format, uh, if you win a race, you gain a berth. And and this is the first year under this system that we've had this many winners. We're now at 14 winners after today with six races to go. So in any event that we have more than than 16 winners, and then, then it's based on points. And you get points for winning stages, leading laps, and and finishing and how you finish and stuff. It's and so and it counts in a carrier goes first place gets you ten points going down. But a race win, but if you have two race wins, you're obviously towards the top and whatnot. But also if you're the regular season point champion, you also get an automatic berth. That's never it's never we've never had a point where in under the system that a the number one driver has actually or the number one regular season champion had not gotten a win. Currently the number three in points has not gotten a win. Up until last week, he was number one. Till he got past the number two guy, won the race and passed him. But yeah, we got six six races left. Three, what you would call wild card races, which are the two road courses. We got Indianapolis, and I think two weeks. Then in six weeks, we get back to ten. It's the last race before the playoffs start, and it's a wild card. Anybody can really win those. It's it's a style of racing, and stuff. As in the guy who won it to open the year off, it was his first race, first career cup race. Okay. So it's it's. Anybody can win it, and which makes it fun because you because you go because it's the last race playoffs for a lot of in the past it's always been that last ditch chance to make it in if you're trying to get it in. But right now we have two drivers who are currently in on points right now because we only have two slots left on points, and those two guys are currently sitting third and fourth overall in points. It's it's kind of things that we've never had this issue in the system because it's, we've never had this many winners, new cars, kind of a lot of happened that you could potentially have third and fourth in points, not make the playoffs. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And, so, and, it's, and we're getting, Those two guys, and and I really hate to say it, but I think Martin Truex, who's sitting right now at the, the spot above the cut line, probably won't make it mm-hmm. in because none of the tracks really going forward. Favorite to his style. He could probably win Michigan, maybe. But, you know, it's going to be a wild card. It's going to be fun to watch because it's we've never been this close. And it's it, it may never happen again. This new car is really kind of – Cause you know everybody's starting from scratch in terms of how it's setups and whatnot, so it's gonna be fun yeah. to see what happens next. Yeah, week. I'm definitely gonna have to start tuning in and some NASCAR so I can start talking with you about it. So I guess the last thing I want to ask you: who, yeah. who's your who's your pick? Who who are you picking to win the whole thing, or who do you want to win the whole thing? At this point, personally, I want Martin Truex to manage to get in, but I think it's slim right now. But I really think Chase is gonna gonna win it. He's picked up. He's won two races in the last month. Actually picked up a lot of momentum, and so he's driving with Hendrix, one of the best cars. He he's the he was the 2020 champion. Yeah, yeah, he's 2020 champion, and so he's coming from a racing family. He won last weekend at his home track. He just picked up a lot of momentum. Like he's got a fast car, and got a good team and stuff. And he knows that. I mean, he's he's already won once, and so it's I wouldn't be surprised for him to win again. And and it really until he kind of took off and was fast. I mean, he. Got an outside pole this week. Was ran up, ran. He, I think he finished second today, I believe. So he's got a fast car at every all these kind of tracks. And today's track is similar to the style that we'll see at the championship race at Phoenix. So him running fast here today is a good sign for him running fast at Phoenix potentially. Okay, well you heard it here first, folks. NASCAR Neil's got Chase Elliott taking taking home the gold. So Neil, we appreciate you coming on and giving us your takes, and we'll have to have you all when it gets closer. You know, middle of the playoffs before the championship. Yeah. Uh, happens. 
I mean, I might have to come back on, you know, to do a playoff, re, you know, playoff preview kind of thing in a couple of weeks before we start. Be down for that? Yeah, we'll definitely have you on again. Awesome, so, guys. yeah, we appreciate you joining, Neil. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Oh, you're fine. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll throw it back to the show. And that was uh, NASCAR Neil coming on live for the first time to Sports Scramble. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. We'll have them on again uh, as the playoffs get started and, of course, to for the championship race. Uh, but, you know, I think that pretty much covers it this week. Uh, thank you, Futch and Tyler, for joining. I hope, Wade, we hope you have safe travels. We'll get you on again next week. Um, stay tuned uh, in a few weeks for our match play, The Whack. We'll come up with a better name for that. Uh, but, you know, as always, give us a follow on Twitter at Sports Scramble 4. Uh, maybe you can send us a better name for our match play tournament. Uh, and we appreciate any uh, subscriptions and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you know, all the, all the places you find your podcast. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. We hope you all have a good one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 